0: Well, just in case you were wondering, we are continuing our series through the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you have your Bible and you want to get a little bit of a head start, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 today, and we're going to start in verse number 17. And we're kind of, we're taking a big chunk of Scripture today. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through uh, 38. And so we'll be there in just a few moments. But... uh, uh, I wanted to to share with you a story. I don't really know if it fits in all that well, but I read it and I was like, I got to tell you all this story. It was just so bizarre and strange. In Waco, Texas, there was a guy named Randall Johnson. This is just a, this is just earlier or late last year. A guy named Randall Johnson in Waco, Texas, ended up getting tased by the police. Now that happens fairly often, but what happened when they tased this guy? He had stolen something, but he did not. It didn't even knock him down. I mean, the guy. He he's kept coming at the police, and he pulled out a knife. Now, when that happened, they had to pull out their weapons and, and shoot the man. They did, they did not kill him. They just put him down. Now, it's an interesting story because of this. Uh, the reason why he was uh, willing to, to risk it all was because he had stolen brisket. Now, in Waco, Texas, just if, you've not, if you're not from Texas, you haven't been to Texas, you need to know that, that brisket with some people is something that is worth dying for and so this was a man who was willing to risk it all for some brisket now today i am not hopefully you're not going to leave here today just having that burned into your mind saying yeah the pastor said we need to risk it all for barbecue that's not where i'm going with this i don't really know where i'm going but but here's sort of the idea i just wanted you to think about in your life what is it that you are willing to risk it all for Now, some of us are willing to risk things in life for big things, and then others of us are willing to risk it all for brisket. And so I'm hoping that maybe we can just sort of bring the level up just a little bit. And so today, as we continue our series on the Sermon on the Mount, what we are going to see is we're going to see Jesus teaching us through the chapters Matthew 5 through 7 what what makes life worth living. Right, we see Jesus sharing with us in Matthew chapters 5 through 7 about what it means to be a follower of God. What it means to live for God. And so if you have any questions about what it means to live for God, that, you know, I just want to encourage you to just look in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And we're going to see in those chapters about what is, what is worth living for. You know, what is worth risking it all for? And my hope is that one thing that we're going to learn is that it's worth risking it all to live for Jesus so that other people might know Him. Uh, we are told in Second 2 Timothy 2.10, it says, So I'm willing to endure anything if it will bring salvation and eternal glory in Christ Jesus to those God has chosen. Well, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see Jesus addressing the issue of putting our faith into practice. And I really believe this. I think that there's a lot of us, whenever we think about our faith, what we typically think of is we think of our faith is made up of a bunch of rules and regulations. And whenever you talk about being a Christian, what it means to be a Christian is, I do this because I'm a Christian, and I don't do that because I'm a Christian. And, and those are some good things. I mean, there's definitely things that I do and that I don't do because of my faith, because of what I say that I believe. Because I want, I want you to understand and I need to understand that our faith is much more than just simply rules and regulations. It's much more than saying I'm not supposed to commit murder. You know, It's much more than saying I'm not supposed to steal and I'm supposed to be a nice person. And so what we're going to see is that Jesus shares with us about the law of God and then he talks about the intent and the motives and the heart that comes behind following the teachings of Jesus. And so that's why we're going to look in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 17 through 48 today. Now, in this section of Scripture, just as a reminder, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. Uh, they would be what we would call today like the Christian fundamentalist. And, and they were people who were... I mean, they had to be pretty good guys. I mean, one thing that they wanted to do is they wanted to follow the law. That they saw God's Word. And they said, listen, if we're going to be in good standing with God, and we're going to honor God, then we want to keep the Word of God, the law of God. And that sounds good, but where they went off the rails is that they became very focused on the legal aspects of the law without really paying any attention to the heart behind the law. And so in our text today that Jesus shares with us, we're going to see Him pointing out some lessons for us that we ought to know about God's law. Now, what is it that we need to know about God's law? And and this is the very first thing that I see Jesus sharing with us today, and that is this. The first lesson about the law of God is to understand the law is not enough. If you want to be in good standing with God, if you want to walk with God, just simply saying that I'm going to follow the law, it's not enough. We, We need more than that. And I hope to explain as we look and see what Jesus said in in verses 17 through 20. Jesus said this, He said, Don't assume that I came to destroy the law or the prophets, and I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For I assure you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all things are accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of the commandments I give and teaches people to do so will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commandments will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven." Okay, now the Pharisees were a religious group or a religious sect of leaders who taught the importance of following the law. To them, the law of God, it was king. But Jesus is pointing out the law is not enough. You know, if the law was enough, then just because we live in a nation that is supposedly of laws, then that would be all that all that we need. You you know how many laws we have in the United States today? You know, that nobody really knows. I, I found this, I thought this was an interesting stat that there, today in America, there are over, just, just in laws, just with the, the issue of guns, there are over 20,000 different laws concerning guns. So do we have any idea how many laws that we have? Absolutely not. Now you might say, well what are the laws of the Bible? You know what is God's law? Well, technically speaking, God's law is made up of the first five books of the Old Testament. It's called the Torah. Now, the first five books are Genesis. I'm going to sport a little bit of uh, if any of you grew up in the Baptist Church training union knowledge: uh, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That is that is what the law is. So, to please God, according to the Pharisees, then you had to follow the law. And as you follow the law, then that was a good thing. But if you ever break the law, then you're, you're out of cahoots with God. You know, you're in trouble. And that makes sense to me. The same thing's true with our, our laws that we have today. If you break the law of God, or break the law of the nation today, if you say, let's say you commit murder, or you, or you steal, th- th- then you're gonna get caught, you're gonna be arrested, and you're going to lose your freedom. I mean, that's what happens when you break the law. So that makes sense to me. That makes sense. It's absolutely normal. Laws confront us every day. You, you and I are always dealing with laws. When you get on the road and you drive, have y'all seen those, those little, I guess they're kind of like rectangular or square signs that are white and they have numbers on them? And it says, I think it says about like speed limit. Did y'all know that is a law? Now I thought it was a suggestion, but that is a law. So laws are things that we are confronted with every day. Now, many of us understand that, and, and we know that laws are important because if you don't have laws, can you imagine how much chaos would be in our world if we didn't have laws? I mean, just even with traffic laws. Now, we had, we had a group of men and women from our church just a couple of months ago who went down to Haiti. I guarantee you, they could all give testimony to how it is an adventure whenever you're driving in Haiti. I mean, you can drive down there, and they have, you know, they have stoplights and everything, but they're for decoration; they don't mean anything. And so you see traffic, and I've been down there before, and you're in all this traffic, and then you'll just see some guy, he'll just pull over in the sidewalk, and there's people walking there, and he just starts driving along the sidewalk, because he's going to go around traffic. So it's a suggestion, and so you understand, like, well, laws are important. You know, we want to keep people within certain boundaries. And the religious leaders of the day, they had the law of God, and they're like, we need to follow the law of God, otherwise we're going to be living in chaos. But here's the problem with the law. We can't keep it. We, we, we can't, you know, you might say, well, I've, I've never killed anybody. Congratulations. Uh, you know, I've never, I've never stolen before. You know, I've never been convicted of a crime, so I'm good. And sometimes we look at that in our relationship with God and say, well, I've not committed, you know, the big ones, so I'm going to be good with God. I've kept more laws than not, but guys, that is not the standard for us. We're told this in James 2.10 and this verse always convicts me whenever I read it. It says, for whoever keeps the entire law and yet simply fails in just one point of it is guilty of breaking how much of it? All of it. Man, that's a, that's a bummer. I mean, you look at that and what do you think? With God's standard with the law, if you're going to place all of your hope and put all of your marbles and say, I'm just going to do more good things than bad things, then guys, you're going to fail. Because the standard is perfection. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that the law was not important. As a matter of fact, if you go back to verse number 17, Jesus said, I did not come here in order to break the law. He said, I came here in order to fulfill the law. Now, there are religious leaders of the day who saw Jesus as a lawbreaker. And you might remember the stories. Remember when Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath? Remember when he did that? The religious leaders went crazy. They said, he is breaking the Sabbath. Never mind the fact that he had just restored a man... So I'm a lawbreaker when jesus was hanging around impure people the religious leader said jesus is impure now it's not that jesus was condoning the way that they were living but jesus was with them in order to point the light or to shine the light on them to show them the path to god so that their lives could be changed so, so if you're hanging your hopes on following the law to be right with god guys let me tell you something you can't do it that's that's not what the law does so what is the law well in Galatians three twenty-two through twenty-six it says it says this about it. It says the Scripture has imprisoned everything under sin's power, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. And before this faith came, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our and this is the important part was our guardian until Christ. So that we would be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, that's a lot of words I just said there. So in a nutshell, what are we talking about here? It says this about the law. It says the law is your guardian. That word guardian, when it's translated, it means schoolmaster. The law, in other words, is your teacher. Now this would have made sense to the people that were being written to. Because the very wealthy people, what they would do is they would have slaves. And a part of their job was to serve, the slaves would serve their children and they would teach them. They would teach them how to read and how to write and how to be good citizens. Now they could teach them. But they couldn't make them. They couldn't make them be good people. But what they could do is they could point them to the right way of life. That's what the law does for us. The law doesn't make us good. It just simply shines the light on the path in which God wants us to walk. Now, let me me try to explain it this way. Uh, Back in October, we had massive flooding. Y'all remember that? Obviously, you do. We did not have church that day. As the first time in my life, as a pastor, we've ever canceled church, and I can't believe we did it for a flood. Yeah, it devastated our roads in the area. But I remember there were some strange signs that I saw when I was driving. I'm sure you remember this too. I-77, driving down the road, and we have those, you know, those uh, signs and lights, and it said, "Do not drive around the barriers." Y'all remember that? Maybe you don't. I do. I remember looking at the sign saying. That is the dumbest sign I've ever... Why do you have to explain, do not drive around the barriers? You know why you have to explain that? Because people drove around the barriers. The barriers impeded where they wanted to go. And so some people drove around them. What happened? Well, they ended up driving into, you know, flooded roads. Some people's cars ended up getting damaged. I mean, it was just, it was a bad deal. Now, we would say the barriers, the barriers were good things. They were there to point out where danger was, but there were people who ignored the barriers. Okay, that's what the law is. The law is like a barrier, barrier to us. And God's saying, don't go beyond this barrier because if you do, there's trouble. But we like to look at that and we see the barrier and we think, but I want to go on the other side. And so then we go on the other side and we find ourselves getting into trouble. Now Jesus was saying, listen, the law is important, but I want you to know that it's not enough. That's why he said in verse number 20, For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So what does that mean? How well you follow the law does not make you right with God. So the first lesson Jesus is teaching is the law is not enough. trying to follow the best you can. That's good, but it's not enough. Why is it not enough? Because we need Jesus. Jesus is the one who fulfilled the law, so we want to follow him and put our trust in Him because He's already fulfilled the law. So the first lesson, the law not enough. But here's another lesson Jesus wants us to know about the law. He wants us to know the heart of the law. He wants us to know the heart of the law. Now I'm going to, this is verses 21 through 37. I'm not going to read all of it. Um, I'm just going to point out, the. I'm going to highlight it and you can read that on your own. But I just want to point out a few things that are just sort of interesting to me. So Jesus says, you know, the, the law is here for us, but you need to understand the heart of the law. You know what the law is all about. All about. Look at verse number 21. It so says, Jesus, He said, You've heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder. Don't murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But here's what Jesus said. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. And Jesus, you've heard it said, don't commit murder. Jesus, says, don't be angry. Or you'll, you'll face judgment as well. Okay, we we'll pop on down to verse number 27. Jesus said this. He said, you have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. Okay, I'm agree with that. But then listen to what Jesus says. He goes above and beyond the law here. He says, but I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Yikes. Okay, then we we'll go on to verse number 31. Jesus said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a written notice of divorce. But then Jesus says, but I tell you, everyone who divorces his wife, except in a case of sexual immorality, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. That makes sense to me. But but then Jesus goes on down. He says, but... But let your, he says, don't make oaths. He said, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. Okay, now all that stuff, let me ask you a question. Anytime you hear that a new law's coming, that a new regulation is coming, what is your natural response to that? Now, I'm going to tell you what mine is. When I hear that there's another law that's coming our way, I... Groan. Like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Because you know what I think about laws? I think laws are restrictive. I think the laws, I feel like I get handcuffed. I can tell y'all about a whole bunch of laws that I don't like, and I don't think the government has any business telling me what I need to do. Now, there are good laws, I'm not saying that, but I just tell you, I'm a griper. Okay? And there's just some stuff that I don't like. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna talk anymore about that, or I'm gonna get going here. Okay, but here's the deal with the people in our text. They they saw that there were laws. The, the, the Pharisees said there's over 600 rules and regulations you have to follow. So they're trying to follow these laws. If you read through the Old Testament, you'll see some of the laws they had to follow. They had to be careful about what kind of food they ate. Y'all know, know that food laws? Okay, you can eat fish, but you can't eat fish that don't have scales. Okay, so catfish out. Okay, so you start looking at all these laws. Okay, I'm going to try to do that. And then, uh, then you look at some other laws. The Bible says you got to make sure that you are ceremonially clean. You got to make sure you don't touch anything unclean. If you do that, then you have to go through this ritual where you have to cleanse yourself, and then you're not you're not clean again until it's later on during the night. And then, you know, so there's just a ton of laws. And you know what happens with all these laws? The people are like, "Oh my gosh, these things are burdensome. These things are wearing me out. These things are making me tired." And so people begin to have a bad attitude. But you know what? That was never the intent that God had for the law. The law was meant to protect. The law was meant to set up boundaries for us so that we could live in freedom. Because remember, what happens when you go beyond the barrier? What happens? But well, there's trouble there. And so Jesus said, He set up the law. God set up the law not so that we'd be in prison, but that so we could have joy and freedom. Now, now, let me let me try to explain it like this. Um, I'll ask y'all a question. Whenever you don't, I don't know, you don't really need to answer this one, but just think about it. Whenever you're driving down the road, I wonder how many of you, as you see that that little sign that's white that's numbers on it, yeah, you look at that speed limit sign and you think, I wonder how many of you go, I think I can go this many miles over that before I get pulled over by the police. Now I'm sure that not many of y'all do that, but there's some people that do. And so we look at that, it's like, you know, if I go five, maybe ten, over, I'm going to be good. But you know, whenever you're driving, if you're driving for a long ways and you do that, you know, that's it's not a relaxing drive. Because what happens is the entire time you're driving, you're kind of creeping up, going over the speed limit, you're kind of looking around, right? Like, I wonder if that's a cop car. And you, you, whenever you go whenever there's a, an on-ramp, you're kind of looking behind you to make sure there's not one that's sneaking on. And, and so, and then you see a crown Vic and you're like, is that a policeman or is that just like an old person? And, and so, you know, you're just kind of, you're just kind of going along and, and you're, you're driving in fear and nervousness. Now, if you don't want to drive in fear and nervousness, you know what the best thing that you can do? So I've heard. Is, is use cruise control. Put it on 55, 65, get in the right lane and enjoy the ride. And whenever you do that, you know you know what happens? You're not looking over your shoulder the entire time. Why? Because you're going the speed limit. You're not worried about getting pulled over. Therefore, you can enjoy the view. You can enjoy that extra time in the car with the kids. Okay, so that's the that's the great thing about it. Now, in a sense, that is the intent of the law. God says, I want you to follow the law so that you can relax. I want you to follow the law so that you can enjoy life. And so what does Jesus say? He says, well, I want you to look at I want you to understand the heart of the law. I'm trying to protect you. And so we, we mentioned some of the things that Jesus talked about that, that we need to put into practice. He, he said, and this is interesting to me, Jesus said several different times, you've heard that it was said, said, you've heard that it was said, do not commit murder, do not commit adultery, do not divorce, tell the truth. Now, I could spend a week or more on each one of these sections. We're going to put them all together for today. And what, what, what was happening here is the rabbis had taught, basically, the bare minimum of the law. But Jesus says, I want you to understand the heart of the law. I didn't give you the law so that you could follow the bare minimum. He said, I want you to understand the heart of the law. And Jesus said, the law says, do not commit adultery. But Jesus says, if you even look at a woman and you have lust in your heart, you've already committed it. That's the heart of the law. God's saying, protect your heart, because what's in your heart ultimately comes out in your actions. Jesus says that whenever you make, that whenever you speak, you're to speak truth. He says, and the, 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 the what did the religious leader say? That when you make an oath, you keep your oath. Jesus, says, you don't have to do that. Don't even make oaths. He said, just simply make, let your yes be yes and your no be no. They talked about divorce and, hey, Moses permitted divorce, but that was never God's intent for marriage. God's intent for marriage is that we love and that we respect and that we Stick with each other through thick and thin. That's why Jesus said in Mark 10, 9, He said, What God has joined together, let no man separate. So, so the law is not a checklist. The law has been given to protect our heart. See, God has the best in mind for you and me. And so there's some lessons to know about the law. The law is not enough. We need more than the law. We need Jesus. Another lesson about the law is to know the heart of the law. The, the, the law is not a checklist. y'all. It's a, it's a protector. And then we need to know the purpose of the law. Verse number 38. Jesus said, you've heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. You yeah. all know that saying, turn the other cheek? That's where it comes from. As for the one who wants to see you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what Jesus says. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? Saint Christians would be different. He said, if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay, so what do all these verses mean? Jesus right here in these verses is showing us what our faith looks like when you put it into practice. We don't just simply talk about it and just look at it like it's some sort of a scholarly lesson. He says, when you put it into practice, this is what your faith looks like. So, so what is the purpose of the law? Very simple. It's for us to become more like Jesus. When we follow the law, we become more like Jesus. So, so what do we do? I'm still working on that. But Jesus gives us some ideas here. He starts off by saying, turn the other cheek. Now what exactly does that mean? Most people have looked at that and said what that means is if somebody punches you in the face, turn around and say, hit me here. You know, it's just the whole idea of there's not supposed to be self-defense. You just let people mow you down because you're a person of peace. Now, that's not what Jesus meant. It's interesting, this, I'll just give you a little aside here. 90% of people in the world are right-handed. Okay, so if I am going to strike you, or you're going to strike me, 90% of people are going to take a swing at you with their right hand, right? Okay, so when they take, when they swing at you, look back in your text here. It's kind of, this, I just find this kind of fascinating. Which cheek did Jesus mention? Right cheek, right? So this one right here. Because if I'm right-handed and I punch you in the face, which cheek am I going to hit you in? Which one? The left one. Okay, so when Jesus is talking about this here, Jesus is not talking about being under a physical attack. He's not talking about somebody coming up to you and just busting the side of the head. This does not mean that, guys, that we are not supposed to protect our families. This does not mean that whenever we have terrorism that we're supposed to say, oh, that we not going to do anything because we're Christians? We, we are called to defend and to protect. This is in reference to insult. Jesus is talking about somebody being backhanded. Being slapped in the face. You know, one of the, one of the greatest signs of disrespect in Jewish culture during this time was to be slapped in the face. And if you are backhanded and most people are right handed, they backhand you, where are they gonna hit you? Left cheek. And so what Jesus was saying was this. He's saying, whenever you are insulted, so don't retaliate. Whenever you are insulted, because whenever, whenever you are insulted, our nature is to be vindictive. Our nature is to get our pound of flesh. Our nature, and we see this today, is to be offended. Oh my goodness. Everybody is offended today. Now I get offended. But my response is not to be to get my pound of flesh. My response is to turn the other cheek and move on. You know, a, a number of years ago, whenever Tiger Woods won his very first Masters Championship, after he won, there's a guy named Fuzzy Zeller, who's a former past champion as well. He's actually friends with Tiger. After he won, Fuzzy Zeller made a comment. It was a racist comment. Now, he didn't mean it that. He meant it to be in jest, to be funny. It didn't go over very well. And, and so the media went to Tiger Woods to see what he'd say. And then you could tell they were They were hoping that he was going to lay into Fuzzy Zeller. Tiger Woods had something very interesting to say. They came up to him and said, how do you respond to what Fuzzy Zeller said? You know what he said? He said, everybody makes mistakes. Let's move on. It's not worth my time. That's a great statement. Everybody makes mistakes. Let's move on. I don't want to waste my time. Guys, whenever we are insulted, we demonstrate the spirit of Christ. Whenever we say, you know what? I'm going to move on. Because I'm not going to allow myself to be encased or enslaved in bitterness. Because that's not the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ is not about getting a pound of flesh. The Spirit of Christ is not about making other people pay. That's why Jesus said in verses 43 and 44, He said, you've heard that it was said, you were to love your neighbor. That comes from Leviticus 19.18. You know who your neighbor is? The guy you live next door to, right? That's your neighbor. Love your neighbor... Hate your enemies. Makes sense. Does that make sense to you all? Makes sense to me. But Jesus goes above and beyond the law. He says, love your neighbors and love your enemies. That takes everything to a whole new level. He goes beyond the law. See, the best way that we demonstrate that we are followers of Christ according to John 13, 35 is by love. Now, I want to point this out. Whenever you have people who want to destroy you, it does not say that you are to be friends with them anyway. I know this guy hates my guts, but we're going to be buddies. Jesus didn't call you to friendship. He called you to love. I said, well, how do I love? How do, how do I love an enemy? You care about somebody's welfare. You know, if you read through the text, if somebody needs a coat, you take care of them. You give them your coat. You know, if they want you to go a mile, you go the extra mile. You go two. You pray for the, the well-being of their soul. You pray that God would change their heart. doesn't mean that you're buddy-buddy. It means that you're like, Yo, God, I'm going to pray because I know that you have power to change the life of people. Now you might say, why would I do that? Because, guys, here's the deal. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. All right, so all that being said, What does all this stuff mean? Here's what it means, guys. Matthew 5 through 7 is the constitution of our faith. It points out what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and it's really not that easy. As a matter of fact, you can't do it, and I can't either. We need supernatural help. We need the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives to live like this. But Jesus says, I want you to understand some things about the law. Learn some lessons about it. Understand the law is not enough. You know, if you're a rules and regulations person, that's me. It's not enough because you've got to be perfect. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. The law is not enough. We need to know the heart of the law. When when God gives us the law, it's not to stifle us, it's to protect and we need to know the purpose of the law. God has given us the law. Because when we follow it. Guys it makes us more like Jesus. And that's the purpose. To point us to Jesus. That we might be like him. And we live in a world. That needs to see Jesus. Not vindictiveness. Not anger. And mean spiritedness. people need to see Jesus in us. Is it easy? No. But it is life changing. And it grabs the attention of the world when we live like him.